Welcome to Governing the Heartland. We're a podcast that believes local government and local communities matter, and we're on a mission to help you understand more about them. Join us as we interview the people on your school boards, the people who run your parks and build your roads, and more. You're going to want to listen in for this. Matt, um, I know a bit about your civic work, and I think our listeners would appreciate kind of hearing who you are and learning about your path. Could you start by doing a quick introduction and then share some about your interest in government and politics? Sure, yeah. So we moved to Kansas City uh, about 14 years ago for a job with Cerner. And I had never lived in Kansas City before, and it was it was new. But man, we really really took to it, and uh, we love it. So we're kind of calling this home now. We've got four kids, and uh, from ages 15 down to five, so a little bit of a spread. Um, but yeah, we love Kansas City. Uh, government politics. I went to. Uh, I graduated from college with a degree in pre-law kind of thing. I was planning on. I mean, thought politics might be something that I would do. I spent a year as an intern in Washington, D.C. after that, and I decided that I did not want any part of that anymore. So I, <laughs> I, I, I left Washington, D.C. right after the end of that year, and I just, I, I just <laughs> see it's... Did, did you do yeah. like an unpaid internship? No, it was a paid internship. Yeah, I mean, it was better much than money. a lot of what they've got out here. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was actually with the, um, the Catholic Bishops Conference. I was a government liaison, so I worked on Capitol Hill every day. But I was interviewing, you know, staffers and and on, uh, working on behalf of the bishops, the Catholic Bishops Conference there. Um, so it wasn't actually on the hill as for a staffer, but it was. I was that's where I worked every day, even though I wasn't in an office in a staffer's, you know, a congressional office. Um, but it was a very, you know, a very insightful year. I learned yeah. a lot about how the process and kind of the reality of how things work and the difficulty. Um, I remember hearing stories about how senators used to get together at the end of the day and, and have a meal or a drink or something. And, and that didn't really happen anymore as far as across the aisle type interactions. It was more, it was just so divided and, and a very difficult environment that just didn't seem like it was really all that productive to me. So yeah. I thought I want to go back to the local level. And if I'm ever going to be involved in politics, it'll be from the ground up is the way I saw it. And, and because I just thought there's, my, there's just so much more that can be done on the local yeah. level than, than well, there's uh, a lot of alignment that. between you and this podcast, which is why part of why we're so excited to have you as a guest. It's um, great. Yeah. We have also, the whole podcast was created as most listeners know, um, because of all of this anger around federal politics, I'm currently in DC, so I kind of see what you're saying every day. And then I know different people in the community, especially after the presidential elections, you know, everyone's so angry. And I remember I would just start saying to people, well, do you know who your city councilperson is? And a lot of times they would say, no, I have no idea. There's kind of that feeling of, well, they're the ones that you could really talk to to change right. something and help face <laughs> great. all this anger. So definitely very aligned there. Um, That's great. You know, as we keep going, so a little bit about uh, a little bit about. I know that you live um, kind of north of the river in Kansas City. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Yes, and obviously there's lots of different things that play there. Um, I was just in Kansas City this past weekend and talking about, oh, north of Kansas City and being south and all those different um, pieces of geography in our town. But um, 
What are your thoughts specifically, you know, about interest in the Northland? You know, I know we actually haven't had a guest. Most of our guests have been from Jackson County or Johnson. So we really haven't had that perspective from kind of north of the river. Um, You know, what do you see about interest on that side? In your personal experience, like some of them are different than living south of the Missouri River. Um, Just wanted to get your perspective as our first um, person from the yeah, yeah, I'd love to. I, I do love uh, the north of the river area. Actually, I yeah. had I worked I've worked for Cerner, you know, obviously for 14 years, and I was moved to the southern location down uh, the old Bannister Mall location there, 435 and and uh, 70. And so I was driving down south every day, and I actually changed jobs within Cerner to get back to a Northland job. I just love the the Northland. I, to me, it's. Uh, it's a little bit more laid back. It's, it's uh, great people and, and uh, just a great environment. I think there is, there's, you know, there's obviously great people in the, su- in the south of the, the river and even across the state line into Kansas, you know, but I just feel really at home in the Northland. Um, just great parks and, and uh, great kind of venues and people to hang out with. So that's where I find it comfortable. So. Yeah. And what would you say is you know, the most pressing issue and that, you know, what is something that kind of comes, so when I think about Kansas City, I think about violence being a huge problem that needs to be addressed right. that we're working on, um, as well as kind of on the come up, which we've discussed in a couple of previous episodes, there's actually a huge problem with our, like our water treatment plate is out, treatment plant is outdated. So, you know, I kind of think of that really well-known issue of violence and a little lesser known of kind of the water plant issues that are coming um, right. to the top of the docket. You know, living in the north and having that perspective, what would you say maybe just as a citizen would be the primary concern over there? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would I agree with kind of just kind of basic services would be how I would put the water treatment piece. And that would probably be my biggest concern, uh, just that, you know, we are kind of continuing to provide and, and receive those basic services, you know, whether it's roads and uh, and, and infrastructure pieces. Um, the violence piece isn't quite as pronounced in the Northland. Maybe that's part of why I feel comfortable up here, but, yeah. uh, that's my experience at least. Uh, so, but yeah, I, I, I think we're, I'm not sure if overall, but it feels like we're a little more maybe conservative, um, north yeah. of the river. And, and so we're a little more in, interested in kind of less government, but real basic government, you know, let's do the functions of government that, that, that at the level that it needs to be done. If it can be done at a lo- lower level, let's do it there. But otherwise, uh, you know, let's let's do what we need to do uh, from a government perspective. So, yes, okay. And I'm I'm going off our question list a little, Matt. So um, feel free to stop me <laughs> at any point. Sure, Grace, you're going too far. But um, hearing you talk about, you know, hearing that, uh, you know, we want a little less government, obviously that starts to trend towards, you know, thinking a little bit more on the right. We've had a couple of guests kind of more from the left side and we touch on it a little bit, but, you know, do you feel like as someone that maybe is more, has these strong beliefs and a little bit less government that you are still able to conversate and work across quote unquote, the aisle that we hope doesn't really exist in the local government, the way it does. <laughs> You know, do you feel that right. still collaborative spirit happening in real time? Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, in my neighborhood, I would say it's much more, um, much more of the left kind of of the people that I live around. Um, so, like my immediate neighbors, 
And I, I, yeah, absolutely. There's, I mean, a lot of things to talk about for sure. And, and lots of things that we agree on. So, uh, and especially at the local level, it's kind of hard to even, like you said, have that divide because issues are just so different and, you know, and, and it's pretty, it's actually, I think it's easy to come to common ground on local issues because, you know, we're all kind of in the same boat and we see the same situation. Um, there's just less complexity, I think. Yeah, it's not so pie in the sky, right? Everyone has right, an interest right. in it because, you know, you're like, wow, I really do pop a tire on the pothole once right. a year. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but actually talking about this kind of left and right dynamic brings me to the sort of second section of questions, which I'm really excited to talk about because, again, we've really interviewed sort of traditional parties guests. Um, so... I know from my personal knowledge and research and connections that you're a member of the American Solidarity Party. So kind of this push to have a third party that's not Democrat or Republican, but that maybe speaks to, you know, maybe you're in between. Maybe we don't need to have this entire two-party dichotomy. Could you, just for the listeners, I am, of course, familiar, but um, tell a little bit about the American Solidarity Party and why you chose to join kind of a third party, not Republican or Democrat? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, being a member of the third party actually allows me to have conversations with both of the main two parties in an easier way, you know? So I have family and friends that are in both parties and sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's hard to have a conversation if you're, you know, aligned with the democratic party, it's hard to have conversations with Republicans because they'll just, it's immediately like, Oh, well, you're on the other side and there's this immediate tension. And, uh, and so I find it much easier to have the conversations because there are uh, similarities between both parties and the American Solidarity Party. And there's differences, of course, too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I find it a great option um, to align with a, a party that does have those connections and distinctions. Uh, it's a pro-life party that um, is also interested in common good things such as healthcare and the environment. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a, I, I really find a great affinity with the platform. So that's the other thing is it just allows me to cast a vote fully supportive of everything that the party stands for. I mean, not, you know, there's probably nuances that I don't agree with, but, um, and f- I, I find it much easier to fully support the platform of the American Solidarity Party than either of the two major parties. Yeah, Matt, I do want to ask your opinion on more of a third, and you know, honestly, a lot of this is personal interest. So, um, right. but you know, when we have this idea of having different parties that we want to be fully on board with the platform, do you think that might cause t- almost too many schisms? For example, you know, I think there's a lot of parts of the American Solidarity Party I really agree with, but then there's some parts that maybe not as much. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, in the world that you see as the most effective for local and maybe even federal government, is it two or three parties or is it 15, 16, 17? That's a great question. I, um, I'm not really sure. I have, don't have a settled answer on that in my, in my own hey, mind. Yeah, I don't either. Because, honestly, that's why I asked you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, I think the two-party system is pretty effective at, mm-hmm. at getting um, – uh, solid or kind of cons- what am I trying to say? Consistent um, government. Um, you know, if you have a, a huge political spectrum, sometimes it's hard to have those majorities, uh, consistent majorities, 
And so at least we're only changing every four years. <laughs> so maybe we might shift a major direction every four years, but uh, it, it's not happening all the time. There is actually a direction that has been chosen. Um, so there actually is some really good things in my mind to, to a two-party system. Um, and I so agree. I guess, so I, guess I think there's also level, advantages. It makes more sense to have different options. Yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. I think that's a great point that maybe at the local level and, and frankly, you know, there's a history of third parties coming in and taking over when there is a realignment or there's, you know, a, a, just an absolute breakdown in government. There's a, sometimes a third party can provide, you know, the, the transition that's needed to, to a, a good future for everyone. Okay. So speaking of kind of things like population, that makes me think of one of my questions, which is um, like climate change. So, you know, thinking yeah. about the condition of the earth, concerns regarding climate change, clean water and clean air. What's your perspective on these? And then also, you know, obviously it's a balance, you know, and I think that's a huge part of the climate change discussion, right? That we have to keep the economy going. We have to keep the economy successful. I mean, we saw in 2020 that, you know, the economy not doing well is really, really, really bad for a lot of people. <laughs> so, you know, how do we balance yes. these things with also keeping our earth alive as we see some of those different climate pieces come into play and, and and honestly so anyway just to say the question you know what is your perspective you know and then is there any actions you think people could be taking to improve these conditions um or just kind of getting your yeah. thoughts on it absolutely i mean that's this is yeah our, our common home it's it's the home of of our future generations and uh, it's kind of it's kind of crazy to think that we should not be paying attention to that and doing everything we can to preserve, uh, you know, our common home for ourselves and our, and our future generations. So, um, yeah, this is a no brainer to me. And it's kind of, it's me, this is just a, a this is a symptom the, the difficulty we have in, in solving climate and environmental issues are a result. It's just a great symptom of our divide because, um, you know, obviously if we can't, we have to be able to continue to have business. And so we can't just, you know, I don't know, make it impossible to run businesses, but at the same time, we don't want to make it impossible to live, you know, a generation from now. So uh, there, there should be ways to compromise and, and, and recognize what the best path forward is when it comes to environmental issues in my mind. Yeah. Um, I hope that we can find that path. You know, I'm not in expert i have a long well i shouldn't say long um but my entire career has been in fundraising for nonprofits, and sometimes i wish i had that kind of spark to really be the person that's thinking through all those different climate ideals because i think it is the issue of my generation um yeah although it's interesting because covid really obviously took center stage at a time when it was really important that we get climate change back to the front you know right really changed a lot yeah, of things right. That's true. It was kind of a an opportunity to really do some things, and then and then we have COVID that's really taken over. Yeah, and of course, and justifiably yeah. so, it comes to the forefront because we couldn't leave our it's, house. You know, maybe there's something we can use from it though, because it was amazing to see what happened, you know, around Los Angeles and these other places during COVID when we shut down. I mean, that's that's an experiment there, that would it's impossible for us to replicate. But that's some data that we can use that's mm -hmm. just absolutely, I mean, amazing to see what happens. Well, you know, that clearly this, of, <laughs> we're you know, producing all this stuff. So That yeah. really made me think of well, exactly the point we are, have been making through this episode that 
people are interested and they are affected. And, you know, that's why people hopefully work together more across the aisle in local politics. Right. And it's also why, you know, COVID was such a huge, I think, in the case of climate, we have not seen what will happen yet. And it's hard for people to grasp that. And in the case of COVID, it was like, no one is leaving their house. People are sick. You know, you could grasp the gravity so quickly. Right, right. Hopefully we don't get to that point with climate change. Right, yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I think there's probably, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think there's a lot we can do. And I think that, that um, I, I guess I just continue to have a lot of hope in that area still that um, with technology and with uh, things that we're able to change and, I mean, shoot the drastic change that happened in a month, uh, last, you know, last year, year and a half ago when COVID hit, I think there's things that we can do and, and things that we can turn around. Uh, and, and frankly, it, it will require some changes probably in how people live or in different situations and where people live even maybe, but um, I think we'll adapt and, and, and figure that one out as long as we're kind of able to work together and, and uh, you know, find these solutions, like you said. Yeah, I love the positive note there. Well, I just have a couple more questions. Again, I know I promised um, not to take too much of your time, um, but I did want to cover this because... It's something that you are an expert or know a lot about, and I know basically nothing about. So distributism, is that, am I pronouncing it right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Tell me a little bit about it. I know it, you know, it's one of the reasons why we wanted you to come on the podcast, um, but can you tell the listeners a little bit about it and me as well? Uh, sure. Yeah. It's, um, it's funny to call me an expert on it, but I have been reading about it for a long time. So <laughs> I mean, I guess that's, I guess that's right. If there are, yeah, that's right. <laughs> if there are experts in this, maybe I am one of them, but uh, yeah, in fact, there's a group of people that have started calling it by a different name. I think it's actually a little easier to understand. Uh, the new name is localism that people tend to use. Distributism makes you think of like we're going to distribute people's goods or something, or, or and that's certainly not what it yeah, is. Yeah, you have to say hearing yeah. your more conservative ideals and then hearing I was kind of like, oh man, this is a very yeah, what is this? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so distributism is is a, is an it's really um, a third way. So the third way between two polars of of something like communism or some or and capitalism, uh, which we don't have either one. Of course, in this country, we have some kind of a mix. Um, and, and I say that because communism in my mind is, is a big government kind of ownership of capital by the government. Capitalism is obviously big business. We've got both and they're actually working together in the many ways now. Uh, and so localism would be more of a third way where we're really, the goal is to spread out ownership among the largest number of people and families. So we don't have, you know, the government giving handouts. Uh, we don't necessarily as much. We don't have, of course, we still have, you know, the things that government can do and should do helping people. Um, but we also have widespread ownership and, and people having a lot of choices about their own lives and how they live. Uh, this kind of thing, I think, would be better for, for environment, better for people's retirements. Uh, we don't have massive companies that are in charge and kind of deciding for us what we see and what, and how we w live. Um, instead, people have their own kind of, they own their own uh, future. They have their own, so they own their own means of production is really the bottom line. Um, 
So to encourage that kind of thing, encourage families to own their own businesses or at least own portions of the companies that they work for. Instead of having just a wage, they would be paid in ownership of the company that would then allow them to retire off the continued profits of that company. Um, those are kind of some of the ideas. It's, it, wow. it is uh, somewhat theoretical, but there's definitely examples of how it could work and how it could play out. It's, it would be def- definitely difficult to happen on a large scale, especially in our country, because there are such established interests of big government and big business in our country. So, wow, it's a little introduction. That, that yeah. is a little snippet. I'm going to say right now, I encourage everyone to do more research into it. I mean, do you, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating idea. Huh. I'm thinking yeah, about my own yeah, Yes, I, I definitely think it's a third way. It's a third option. And that's kind of the, if I were to think about how my involvement in politics, that's that's kind of the, the tagline. Like, like, let's not just continue to compromise to the point where we don't even know what we're compromising about or what really the ideal is. Let's figure out, you know, kind of a third way that uh, gives us really what we want and makes us all happy instead of, you know, everybody being upset about something. Let's, let's try to find some ways that uh, really are win-win as opposed to win-lose or lose-lose, which tends to be more the case these days. And you know, you know, Matt, I'm not sure if we agree on everything, but that's okay. I love <laughs> people that think, like, I, I just really enjoy this conversation because it's out of the box. And I think people are tired of what we've had for so long. So that's, I think that's true. these new ideas are exciting for people to hear. And thank you for sharing them. We're kind of nearing the end. I do always like to give a space to just open up the floor. You know, is there anything you felt like I didn't ask you about that you want to share? Well, I don't know. I guess I just, uh, yeah, I guess I just, uh, I think you've done a great job. I, I love the idea of this podcast that we can have a space to just kind of get out of the box, get to get out of these uh, conversations that tend to drive a spike between us all or, or focus on things that are kind of downtrodden tends to be the focus of the news, but rather look at things that are positive and that we can do together and that can lift us up. I just uh, appreciate your, your efforts here. It's great. Well, it couldn't happen without people like you coming on board. So thank you. Well, Grace, really appreciate it. All right. Really. I'll talk to you soon, Matt. All right. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. As always, guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to rate and subscribe on whatever app you use to listen and follow us on Instagram at Governing the Heartland. Until next time.